Hey, welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you could use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, how are you doing? Good, Robert. Hi, how are you going there down in Melbourne? Oh, we're pretty good. I think it's 24 or 25 days now of COVID-free infections. We had a triple zero day of the day, no infections, no deaths and no prior infections so everything was crystal clear <laughs> pretty good no no i must admit it, it it's really great that you know like across the whole country there really is hardly any infections as far as i'm aware like across the entire australia i know we mentioned it before but such a big difference to that and oh. sort of other countries of the world particularly the united states totally and the uk for that matter yeah yeah indeed uh, indeed yeah and it's nice when you get out i mean we went out at the weekend uh mm. I've been out in the CBD yesterday, yeah, and it's nice just to see some resemblance of normality coming. Normality, back. indeed. People indeed. sitting outside coffee shops having a coffee. People sitting having a beer yeah. together. Yeah. Well, they- I, I agree. I, I'm seeing normality everywhere. Like things are really coming out now, and I think there's a sense of optimism as well for 2021 with all the news about the vaccines and that sort of thing, and the share market, of course, going very well indeed. Yeah. Now, on the subject of today's topic. Hmm. I heard on the grapevine earlier that you've had a bit of a cranky day today with <laughs> challenges, challenges in mergers and acquisitions. And yeah. so I, I thought to myself, right, good. I, I bet I can make him more cranky. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put you under pressure. Okay. My suggestion's this. I'm going to lay out a theoretical scenario hmm. on M&A yeah, okay. Right? And I'm going to put you on a spot and see what you think the priorities will be. Okay. <laughs> Ready for it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go, Robert. All right. Let's see where we go. Okay. So, so imagine this, <clears throat> right? It's a technology business. And the last three years, this region of this technology business has made two acquisitions. And those acquisitions are aimed at enhancing the products and services they can offer to the market. Hmm. Right, and you're going to acquire some new customers as a result of those acquisitions. Hmm. Okay, but you haven't integrated anything yet. So right. two years has gone past; those acquisitions are not yet integrated into your core business. Hmm. You've had a few sales opportunities at cross-selling your business products into into an existing customer base. Hmm. Right. And then on top of that, the board's just decided that it's the time for that region to integrate all those acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And similarly, they've just appointed a new CEO to the region. Yep. It's never been in a CEO role in their life before. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, you're heading up uh, a corporate team that's been put in place to help integrate the businesses. Mm-hmm. You've got 30 minutes with the CEO, mm-hmm. and you're going to advise that CEO on what their top three priorities should be. Right. Okay. Reckon. There you go. Your time <laughs> starts. <now. laughs> oh, boy, Robert. 
I like it. I like it. So you want me to respond, do you? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I might throw a few in as okay. well. Okay, Robert, let, let me just back up here. So the board's just made a decision that perhaps that now we should uh, integrate these two acquisitions and bring it into yep. one group business. Yep. Okay, and you've got a new CEO. Yep. That's great. Now, obviously, this must have been driven by something that the board wanted to achieve. Now, if I may hazard a guess, it is that perhaps whilst there have been selling opportunities, there's probably further opportunity for growth and that there's potential for growth that so far hasn't been realized. But if you bring the two, the, the two acquisitions into one group, then there's an opportunity for growth. All right, that's reasonable. Now, I would imagine, and I'm guessing here, that this notion of growth is driven by a number of revenue opportunities that may not be able to be achieved if you don't bring these businesses together. So if you brought them together in their set of capabilities, then that in itself can initiate new opportunities that previously may not be achieved and there might be a whole raft of these things yep yep I'm, that's my i'm i'm making this a bit as my first guess here based upon yep. what you said yeah so what's your first recommendation to the ceo in terms of what their top priority should be okay first of all what's the vision what's the strategic intent yeah very simply what's your strategy yeah i would i would agree because You've got to have that clarity, unless, yes. unless you know what the big picture looks like, yeah. and unless you can quantify it in some way, yep. uh, then you're shooting in the dark, aren't you? Yes. Now, I'd go and say, next thing to say, once you've got that, then to say, well, what are these opportunities? What's the market size of these opportunities? What's the um, ease of execution? What's the revenue opportunity? and start working out and prioritizing the those opportunities in terms of low-hanging fruit, quick yep. wins versus perhaps harder to achieve, but potentially the prize is much greater. Yep. One of the thoughts that came to my head mm. is you're bringing these three organizations together, mm. and it's very much going to circulate around the customer. Indeed, indeed, yes. And I would say, by the way, here I am, I'm taking a terrible inside-out view here. I've been talking inside about all these wonderful revenue opportunities. (laughs) But as you and I know, Robert, the customer is the final arbiter of any acquisition success. So (laughs) this is all, all to do with value propositions that we need to test. We need to check to see whether those hypotheses or value propositions are true and yep. will deliver the the revenue that we anticipate so there's a bit of a work it out test the market talk to customers observe what they do and and so on and so forth to uh, work out which which ones are really are going to work and, and scale up well and, and there's a phrase that i used to use in my good old tech industry days mm-hmm which was, and you've probably heard me use it before, yeah. um, single face to the client. Yes. Right? So you've, you've now got three organizations coming together as one. Mm, mm. 
And as far as the client's concerned, they want to see one point of contact. Yes. One brand. Yep. One set of values. Correct. You know, one image. Correct. One and process. One invoice. One, <laughs> one, one, uh, I'll tell you what, you'll be surprised yeah. how much angst that creates sometimes when you say to customers, oh, well, no, this part of it's going to be on one invoice and the other part. You know, <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. You know, um, yes, yeah, so you've got to make sure your system's all lined up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indeed. One, one piece of paper. Mm. One, and, and basically what that comes back to then is one throat to choke. Yes. <laughs> as, as, as the one throat to choke. Yeah. yeah. Meaning that the client has got one point of contact. And yes. if, even if those services have originated from three separate companies that are being brought under one, mm. right? The client wants one invoice. Yes. And they want one point of accountability for those products and services. Mm. Mm. And so as a CEO, you've got all of those factors to, to bring together. And of mm. course, that throws up the wonderful challenge of cultural challenges that will be part of that because you're bringing three separate organizations together under one roof, so to speak. Mm. Mm. And of course, the other thing is, and I know, from my point of view, coming from a, a sales environment in the tech industry, mm. customer retention and employee retention become big issues. Yeah, indeed. They, they certainly are. And since you raise this, you, you can see the whole raft of things that have to happen, both in terms of what you need to do in the client-facing perspective and the customer experience, and all the various things that need to happen in the back office so that it's all in alignment. Yeah, and it, and it's all got to happen in a seamless manner mm, mm. that doesn't in any way flow out in a negative sense to the customer. Indeed, indeed. Yes, in actual fact, even more so. And not only no, there's no negative, it's actually got to be seen as a positive experience yes. so that when the customer and each of the touch points in terms of the journey that they have, from initial contact all through to fulfillment and then after-sales service is a continually positive experience. One, one of the integrations that was dealt with via SAP at the time, mm. one of the issues that came up with was customer service levels. Mm. Right? And we approached it with a sort of a, oh, yeah, right, okay, so we've just got to make sure that customers understand our service level no what actually transpired was that the company that we'd acquired actually had exceptional service levels that were mm. better than ours right and the, their customer base were used to it yeah and all of a sudden we come along and we're going to impose our service level agreements which Ooh, were actually, which were actually weren't as good interesting enough there robbie this is funny when you're the acquirer, you always think well, we apply, the, the, the acquirer should say, well, look, you use our systems and processes, but no, hang on a sec, you never know whether the natural what they've got is actually better. Yeah. You know? And this was a clear case that was actually impacting mm. the way that customers perceived mm. what they were getting. Mm. Right? And it's one of those topics that becomes emotional. Mm. And customers will quite happily get up and walk 
if they're seeing the level of service that they've been used to denigrated. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, I agree. I agree entirely. And and I think also coming back to that CEO, and I'd, I'd appreciate your thoughts on mm. this communication. Mm. Right? If if you're a new CEO and you're faced with bringing three businesses together, one of your top priorities has got to be communicate, communicate, communicate. Yes, it is, and I think when you do communicate, what you're really doing is your it's not so much communicate it's inculcate and what i mean by that is that it's part of the whole communication exercise what you want to try and do is is take what effectively is a whole raft of activity and reduce it down to some basic rules or principles or codes of conduct or yeah. kind of like a messaging mantra to say, this is why we're doing this. This is what it, this is the intent. This is the purpose. This is, and the messages go out in a way that empower, motivate, yep. and direct what people need to do. And so I always say that when it comes to communication, it's not so much just saying lots of stuff and blah, blah, blah. You know, we all got to do that. I understand that. It's just getting those very simple, repeatable messages that people say, and that drives behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard you talk about this before quite a mm. few times. And it's mm. that ability to have simple messages that every stakeholder understands, whether it's the customer or whether it's yes. a sales guy visiting the customer or yep. your local accounts people or even the the external partners and yes. suppliers that you've got. Everybody yes. needs to have a, <clears throat> a fairly simple high-level view of what's happening and how does it impact me. Exactly. It's almost like you want to have it on a single page and put it around everybody's desk. So they can stick it up yeah. on the wall or in the kitchen or whatever. It's just basically standard sets of messages in terms of what you're doing internally, how you're internally aligned, how you work with a customer, and why you're doing all this. I've seen it done. I've done it myself. It really works. I implore everybody listen to this. When it comes to communication, yes, of course, you've got to communicate, communicate, and communicate. But what you need to do is inculcate with simple, clear, pithy messages. Brilliant. Now, what I'm going to do with your mm. agreement is <clears throat> just summarize for a moment, but then mm. there's one last piece where I know this is one of your pet subjects. Mm. Oh, um, a pet one, eh? Okay. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> what could that be, Robert? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to see what your thoughts are. Okay. So, so let's just summarize. So what we've said is we've got to have clarity around the expected vision, and you've mm. got to be able to quantify what outcomes you're expecting. Sure. Right. If you haven't got that, you're in the dark. You indeed. We, we've said this is very focused around the customer. Yes. One, one single face to the customer, a single brand, single values, single infrastructure, you know, et cetera. Yes. Right? And within that, you've got to focus on any immediate cross-sell opportunities that are going to result from bringing those three together Yep. and maximize those. But at the same time, you've got to really get focused on customer retention because you customers can very easily sure. vote with their feet sure. 
if what they perceive happening doesn't meet their expectations. And of course, part of the challenge in bringing that single face to the customer together is that you've got to take account of the cultural issues hmm. that are going to be evident when you've got three disparate businesses sure. that in different ways will have their own little cultural quirks. Yes. And you've got to pull them all together into one. Yes. And, and the way we've ended up with this is that to do all of that, one of the prerequisites is you've got to communicate, communicate, communicate. You, hmm. You've got to have clear, simple, concise messages that sure. are going out to uh, all of your internal people, all of your customers, and across all stakeholders such as partners, suppliers, and so on and so forth. Hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> we've now got a CEO sitting in the chair, and we've given them those pieces of advice in terms of where their focus priorities need to be. Mm. Now, my last question to you is that in order for all of that to happen, you've got to maintain the pace of integration. Yes, you uh, do. You've got a balance that you're trying to achieve. So on one hand, you're trying to set aggressive pace to make sure that the integration keeps going. Mm. Right? But at the same time, it's got to be a safe pace. Yes, indeed. Because you cannot afford to mess up any of these things on the way. Because when you do, those mess-ups tend to be quite catastrophic and they have an effect. That's so true. my last question to you is, what's, what's the key to making sure you maintain that pace of integration? Well, it's an interesting one, Robert. And uh, I think the idea of the pace is... I think you've got to make sure that people are sort of like on their tippy toes, but don't drown them. Mm. So, <laughs> look, there is an important pace. And I'll tell you the reason why often in when we talk about integration, there is often a very fast pace. And we do do that. as When we talk about this sort of work, we often talk about 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, 60 days. Now, we say that for a reason, because they're like sprints. We've prioritized a set of work and we sprint through it and to get the work done as fast as possible. The reason being because it creates focus, it creates momentum, but above all, it, it creates the, the opportunity for new revenue to come in or costs being saved. It, if you're going to do it quickly, like tearing a bandage, do it quickly and you will reap the benefits. It is that the nature of the beast that you've got to do it quickly. So to keep the pace of integration, I say keep people on their tippy toes without drowning. So the yep. important thing is, is yes, go hard, go quickly, but at the same time, always check to make sure that people are comfortable with the pace and they don't feel that they're actually drowning in the work. But if they're drowning, then obviously you need to stop and then move back a bit. And then so you the idea is to keep them stretched on the tippy toes but without drowning. So you gotta you gotta check and to make sure people are okay. Now this is a it's a key thing because I think from an integration perspective, you need that emotional intelligence to be able to understand or see the cues where you think perhaps this is actually the pace is not not good. In other words, it's too fast. And I think um, I think I think when we were talking earlier, you the and part of your cranky experience today <laughs> is, is, is you've had exactly that experience haven't you 
Yeah, look, I, I think I think the, the the challenge always is 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 what pace can you go? Sometimes in organisations, there's a kind of a pace which the organisation itself sets, and that could be simply because people have got other things going on, other business activities. There's people away, or quite often the case as we're experiencing right now because of COVID, people are simply not in the office. Yeah. So that dictates the pace. And so the pace gets dictated to you. But still, you need to push to the back, push to the limit, the fastest or, or quickest pace you can do, given those constraints. So that comes back to leadership at two levels, I guess. Mm. Leadership within the client. So mm. this new CEO needs to show clear vision and expectations and, and what outcomes they want. Mm, mm. But they've also got to take accountability for maintaining the pace of integration. And yeah. in a sense, if you're the integration manager, you're almost hand in glove with that CEO because yes. you're, you're actually helping translate that into the operational pace that's taking place out on the shop floor. Indeed, you're on the ground. I was I was talking to a CEO today. This is sort of addendum to what we've been talking about here, and mm. I'll, I'll go back and summarise in a minute. He and I met for the first time for a beer yesterday evening, mm. and it's the first time he's travelled since COVID, right? and he said his, his business as a CEO have been impacted in two major ways. And and he started off with, you know, the fact he was fed up of everybody going, oh, well, of course, with virtual meetings and stuff like that, we can still do business as usual. Yeah. And interestingly, he said there was two major impacts on his ability to perform well as a CEO. Hmm. The first one was that <clears throat> when he's got people in his organization doing things, Pre-COVID, he could go out of his office, do what we call walking management by walking around. Management by walking around, yeah. And he could just go to somebody's desk and say, hey, how are you doing with that? Whatever. Yeah. Are we still okay for 5 o'clock this evening? Yeah. And you could, you could gently push people to get things done yes. and follow up. And his second point, which was interesting, was that he maintains part of his role as a CEO is creative hmm. and he often would wander out of his office go two or three doors down into one of the other director's offices and sort of have an impromptu hey you know can i just bounce this idea off yeah, you? Sure. What do you think about this and that's that's also very aligned with what we do in m&a sure it is absolutely it's, it's a creative process and those things are currently missing at the minute and they make the process a little bit more difficult anyway yeah well it's you know so just taking that on that point actually rob because it's an important one because a lot of people think in MA it's actually quite sort of checklist playbook driven tools templates yeah. do this then do that but the reality is it's not like that 
yes, sure, there are some templates and you can apply them in certain zones, but it is inherently a creative, collaborative, innovative process you go through in M&A. Every transaction is unique. This, every situation is different. And our skill, our collective skill, is in that art and applying that art yeah. in the circumstance. But to, for that to work, you need the environment to be able to make it work. The templates, from my point of view, are good. They're there to provide a framework. Yes. Right? And they're there to make sure that you don't miss something. Yes. But a line on a template that says review procurement process hmm. doesn't solve the issue. The hmm. creativity comes in in terms of looking at the procurement processes on both sides of the M&A and mm. working out what the most optimum process needs to be for the new business going forward. Yeah. And that's a creative factor. Yeah, so you know, it reminds me of thinking, you know, sort of like often playbooks, it's sort of almost like painting by numbers. But in actual fact, you're not going to be able to create a Mona Lisa that way. No, absolutely not. I agree. Now, I've just got to come back and – so that's been a good conversation. I've enjoyed that. <laughs> and, and we've sort yeah. of – wandered around a bit so i'm going to i'm going to, to summarize again hmm. so this ceo is now sitting in their office they've got these acquisitions that are going to be merged into the core business hmm. and the advice that we've given that ceo is number one have clarity around your expected vision and the quantifiable outcomes that you want from this m a sure number two it's definitely going to be around the customer. You've got to end up with a single face to the customer, a single brand image, single values. Indeed. And, uh, single service levels, etc. And in that journey there with the customer, you're going to have to do some very careful work to make sure that all of the customers, that's not just your customers, but the ones that are coming across from the acquisitions actually stay with you. So customer retention is a big issue, hmm. as is seizing the immediate cross-sell opportunities to generate more revenue. Right? And what we've said is that in doing that, you're going to have to be acutely aware of the cultural differences hmm. and manage those. Hmm. And you're also going to have to communicate very, very well. So communicate, yes. communicate, communicate internally, externally, across all stakeholders. I forget what word you used. You said you inculcate. Got, inculcate. There you go. There's a good word. Look it up in the dictionary. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> meaning you've got to have a set of simple messages that are clear and concise that everybody can understand. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, what we've said is that all of that is necessary, but it's important to maintain the pace of integration. Mm -hmm. Set aggressive but safe deadlines for people. Yes. And then it's the responsibility of individual managers to monitor whether groups or individuals are able to maintain that pace. And if you can see evidence of stress, then you've got to intervene and try and slow it down or adjust it so that you don't put people under undue pressure to a point where they just throw their hands up and leave. That's right. That's been a good 
No, it's been a good chat there, Rob. I must admit, it's an interesting sort of scenario you pose there. It's one I've seen before, obviously one you've seen before. And it's good to chat through the priorities uh, in terms of what a, what a CEO who'd be all new to it would need to do. I think it's been a good conversation because I bet you that now that COVID is sort of relaxing the rules and everything else, mm. there's some semblance of returning back to normal. Mm. There's got to be a lot of CEOs sitting in their offices thinking, well, I wonder what my priorities need to be because we're now going to make that acquisition or bring that Indeed. into business Indeed. or whatever. Yes. So I think we could call that a wrap. I, I believe so as well, Robert. Very good conversation. Likewise, it always is. And we will, of course, be back next week with another episode of M&A War Stories. And that just leaves us now to do the usual and say bye for now. Goodbye, Robert. Goodbye.